Today on High Point with Ron Zappia. James chapter one says this, being not just a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be a blessing in what he is doing. That's the Bible. This is what illuminates our mind. If we read it and if we listen to it. High Point with Ron Zappi, a pastor of High Point Church in the western suburbs of Chicago. Last week, we began a brand new series that's looking at the important spiritual disciplines that, Ron, we're calling in this series. It's called Ancient Paths. Where are we headed today? Yeah, you know, Steve, Ancient Paths, I'm really excited about this series because it's not about the new thing. It's not about the newest trend or the latest fad. But for Christians, not that we're going to get going on something new, but we're going to practice the old. And so today we're talking about meditation. Now, hold on a minute. We're not talking about just, you know, going out in the woods and just be <laughs> by yourself and just, you know, sitting by a tree with your legs crossed or anything like that. Although, hey, sometimes, you know what, having some time of spiritual transformation is really important to have solitude. We'll get into that. But what I'm talking about this is not just meditating about a bunch of other things, but meditating specifically on the word of God, allowing God's word to impact your heart and feed your soul as you read it and meditate on it. Well, let's do that right now as we dive into today's message called The Spiritual Discipline of Meditation. Here's Pastor Ron. If you have a Bible, simply do this. Open it up to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Meditating on the Word of God. It's life-changing. It's transforming. I want to motivate you with six reasons why we, we got to do this, man. And so the first one is this. Well, we need to meditate on God's word because it revives our souls. And so this first reason comes straight from the text. You'll see it in verse seven. It says the law of the Lord is perfect. There it is, restoring, or some versions say reviving the soul. I love this word in the middle of verse seven. It says that the law of the Lord is, what does your version say? You tell me. It's perfect. Now think with me for a moment. Everybody's looking for a little bit of perfection. We're looking for the perfect job. We're looking for the perfect home. The truth is there's only one perfect person that ever walked the face of the earth, and his name is. And he went to the cross for us, and he's gone now from the earth, but he resides at the right hand of God. This is the thing. So the perfect one is gone, but we know that perfect one, it says in John chapter 1, that he's a representation of the word of God. The doctrine of inerrancy. Have you heard that term? The doctrine of inerrancy. What is that? Well, that's that this book is, listen carefully, in its original manuscript. It's perfect without error. There's no contradiction. That the book's perfect, okay? The doctrine of inspiration. Doctrine of inspiration. What's that mean? Well, that's 2 Peter 1. And that means that the scriptures were inspired. It wasn't their thoughts. They weren't mechanical robots. They didn't get dictated to. No, no, this is from God. Ravi Zacharias, who one of my favorite apologists, he says the Bible is the word of God and God cannot err. He says, so to deny inerrancy, rightly understood, is to attack the very character of God. Those who deny inerrancy, they soon enter the dangerous terrain of denying all scriptural authority for both doctrine and practice. But that's how important the doctrine of inerrancy and the doctrine of what? Inspiration are to us. Look at the end, middle of verse 7. What does it do? Restores my soul. If you were to double-click on that word soul in its original Hebrew, it's referring to what? It's referring to the innermost part of being. 
I mean, the soul is what lives forever. And so this is the only book. Time Magazine doesn't do it. The Chicago Tribune. This is the only book that feeds the soul. It, it gives us what we need. His testimonies are true. And then he says this phrase. He says, making wise the simple. What do I mean? Well, there's simple people, aren't there? I mean, in some, I'm a very simple person. You know what? Strip it down. You're as simple too. And, and he says he makes wise the simple, the humble, the people who want to learn, the people who want to grow. What he's saying is this. If you double click on there, he's just saying, hey, I make simple people smart. That's what this book does. It makes simple people like you and me really, really smart because it illuminates our mind to think things that we could not think on ourselves. Love that picture. And so let me give you another doctrine. We've talked about the doctrine of inerrancy. We've talked about the doctrine of inspiration. Important doctrine. Doctrine of perspicuity. What does that mean? That's this verse. It makes simple people smart. What that means is it's the doctrine of clarity. What they're saying is that, that a simple guy or a girl or a child or a person, this book has everything you can figure out just reading it. it. It has what you need for salvation. I don't need some bunch of other people to tell me all these things. I, I can look at it myself. I can read it for myself. And the God of the universe will, will make things clear. The doctrine of perspicuity. Let me give you a little history lesson in the church. William Tyndale, have you heard his name? I mean, here's a guy that the, uh, the, uh, the, he has a Bible. Why? Well, because it, the, uh, Tyndale, why? Well, because he was the first guy to take the Bible into English. And so he translated the entirety of the New Testament. He tra translated portions of the Old Testament from its original languages of Greek and Hebrew. And, and what did it get him? It got him thrown in jail. It got him in prison. Catch this. Got him. Guess what? Hey, good stuff, man. Translated the Bible. Good deal. Hey, you knew your Greek and your Hebrew. It got him burned at the stake. Got him killed because he wanted to take the Bible and put it in people's hands. The common everyday person. Martin Luther, sure you heard of him. Church that bears his name, or at least denomination. And, and what did he do? Well, he translated the Bible from Latin because that's what it primarily was and into his native tongue in German. And where did it get him? I mean, he went undercover. He was declared a heretic. He had to new, have a new identity. He was, soldiers would hide him. Understand, it was like all the religious leaders were the ones, oh no, you, let me tell you, and you can't understand it, and let me teach you. Doctrine of perspicuity. Now, get the Bible in people's hands, man. Something happens. Are you hearing me? Something goes down. God, God works in his Holy Spirit, and he will reveal himself to you through his word. Hey, hey, why do we got to meditate on God's word? Well, because it revives the soul. It illuminates the mind. Let me run through some pictures really quickly. Let the Bible speak for itself. The Bible is fire. That's what the Bible says of itself. It's like fire, man. It burns. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 14 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, because you've spoken this word, behold, I am making my words in your mouth a fire, and this people will be like wood, and the fire shall consume them. The Bible is not only a fire, the Bible is a sword. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 says, For the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing to the division of soul and spirit and both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Bible is a sword to cut through the stuff that needs to be cut through in your life. The Bible's a hammer, man. 
I mean, it will smash you to smithereens. Why? Because we need to be humbled. And Jeremiah the prophet, he says in verse 29 of chapter 23, is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock. Some of our hearts, we knew what it was to be hearts of stone. And God has given you a heart of flesh that beats for him because some things had to get shattered. Other pictures of what the Bible, let's let it speak for itself. It's a seed. So the Bible is a seed. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of the imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. What else is the Bible? The Bible is like milk. We need milk to survive. What is a little kid that what? Milk is a baby. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2. We're not to live on it, but like newborn infants, when you come to Christ, look at the picture. We long for the pure spiritual milk that by it may we grow up into salvation. But it can't just be milk. It's got to be meat. It's like a steak dinner that you have that needs to be cut up for you. It says in Hebrews chapter 5, the Bible is like meat. It's like solid food for though, and this is a rebuke, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. He's talking to the church. Hey, hey, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Too many people in the church, are just, they're just craving the bottle. He, he's saying, hey, hey, since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice of distinguishing good from evil. This book is a meal, and we need to feed off of it regularly. Not once a week at church where I cut the steak up for you, but that you would be feeding on it on your own. You're listening to High Point with Ron Zappia. And today's message is called The Spiritual Discipline of Meditation. And you can request a copy when you call 844-HP-RADIO. High Point continues in just a moment with more from Pastor Ron. Hey, this is Ron Zappia, pastor and teacher on High Point. Every day we're calling men and women to elevate their faith through a fresh encounter with God. We take time to focus our thoughts, arrange our priorities, and encounter God in the midst of our day. Together, we explore God's word, we gain practical insights to guide our daily living. When we do this, we experience a new High Point in our faith. Listen, we want you to draw closer to God through his word, get to know him better, and elevate your faith. We get real with what God says about topics like family and marriage, friendships, and living for Christ. On High Point, we're here to encourage you with God's word and provide you an encounter with Jesus. It's a lifelong journey, and I'd love to have you join me. So listen right here every Monday through Friday for High Point. For more Bible teaching resources from Pastor Ron Zappia, head online to www.highpointministries.com. That's highpointministries.com. This is High Point with Ron Zappia. Ron's the pastor of High Point Church in the western suburbs of Chicago. Our message today is from our series titled Ancient Paths, and you can stream the audio or watch the video when you go to highpointministries.com. Here's Pastor Ron. The Bible is like water. Husbands, listen up. If you have the privilege of being married, great responsibility. The Bible is like water. What's the water used for? Well, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, that he might make her holy. Your job is to make your wife the new her, the better version of herself. That's not a girlfriend's job. 
That's not Beth Moore's job. That's your job. Your job is to, to do what? Is to wash her by the water of the word. That's what the scripture says. Hey, what else about the Bible? Great pictures. I've taught him this before. It's a light. Love the Psalm. Psalm 119. Longest Psalm in the scriptures. It says it like this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Give me a thumbs up if you were in a dark place, you were in an unknown place, you were wrestling with a decision, you didn't know where to turn, and I don't know if it was late at night and you opened up God's word at the kitchen table, I don't know if you were listening to a pastor on the radio, I don't know if you were reading a book that was quoting some scripture, I don't know if you were in church, but the God of the universe showed you the right way to go because you read his word. I mean, the Bible is a light. And it, it, it gives us light to our path. And some of us, were in some dark places. And, and we're just, we're, we're satisfied and it's okay. And we're thinking ourselves, fooling ourselves. And, and let me tell you, step into the light and follow the leading of God through his Holy Spirit by his word. Let me give you another picture. Bible is a mirror. Let's end with that one. James chapter one says this. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and, and he perseveres, being not just a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be a blessing in what he is doing. That's the Bible. This is the scriptures. This is what we hold in our hand. This is what illuminates our mind. If we read it and if we listen to it. What else about the Bible? Well, the Bible transforms my heart. That's why we need to meditate on it. So the Bible does this. It transforms my heart. Now look at um, verse 8 for a moment. I want to show you this um, scripture from Psalm um, 19. And it says this in verse 8, that the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. I asked you to underline that already. What does that mean? It, it simply means this. It, it's, it's like it makes my heart sing. Without the Bible, we're singing the blues, right? And I'm not saying we're enjoying it. We're just singing the blues, man. We're a bit down. We're a bit out. But with the Bible, I'm telling you, it's good old-time fashioned rock and roll. Anybody with me? And just like it, it, it does what? It transforms my heart. That, that's what the Scripture does. It transforms my being. It transforms who I am. Let me show you a, 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 an illustration to, to try to tell you. You say, well, how does it do that? Well, Ezekiel chapter 36 says you've got to have a new heart. That's what God will do. But if this glass that I'm holding represents your heart, you say, well, it's empty. I say, no, it's not. This glass is filled with something. Can you guess? It's filled with air. So just for a moment, imagine that this is your heart, and it's filled with something. Jeremiah says the prophet, man, he's the rebuker. He says this. He says, your heart is deceitful. What he's saying is your heart is lying to you. What he's saying is without the word, without faithful people in your life, without the Holy Spirit, like your heart's going to lead you down the wrong path. You're going to think it's good. It's not good. Anybody been down the wrong path because of their heart and their feelings and this? And, and that's truth. And so when somebody says, hey, follow your heart, just look at them and say, that's the worst advice you could ever give me. Because my heart is deceitful. And it lies to me. It tells me what I want, what I think, what I feel. It wants to make me number one. Your hearts are deceitful. But how do we... Get the air out of this glass. You know, right? What do you have to do? You, you got to fill it with something. And, and so as I fill this glass with water, we're taking the air out. Well, you've got to fill your heart with the word of God. And, and it's got to replace all those other things. 
And, and, and God's word, his word is truth. His word does what? His word, it will move us and we're to hide it in our heart that it can, it can transform us, it can grow us. What else about God's word? Hey, let me give you some reasons. Are you getting fired up about reading God's word and meditating on it? Okay, let me give you a few more reasons. The, the next one is this, meditating on God's word straight from the text. It says it enlightens our eyes. That's what this book does. And as I stand here with this book, this is one of the very first Bibles that I got. And I'll forget, um, uh, this was given to me when I got into ministry as a youth pastor. And look at this Bible for a moment. This is one of my favorite ones because it just, this thing's been to Haiti. This thing's been to all kinds of missions trips all over the world. This was, you know, I, I mean, lock-ins and all night and all these things. This is the book I used to teach junior high and high school kids. And it's the most weathered book that I have. I don't even know what version it is because it's ripped off. No, it's the NASB. And, and I love that version. And so I used to teach from this book. I mean, this is one of my favorite ones. Has some of the best notes. I mean, the, the, this book and the ones that I have, I got a ton of Bibles. They're like my prized possessions. I mean, I, I have this other one up here. I won't, you know, bore you with all the details, but this is the first one that I ever started reading at age 27. My wife gave it to me. Jody, how much did you write, read it? Look, look at this. The page is falling out. Now, that could be a cheap binder. But this one, catch this. You're going to be really proud of me right now. Some of you are going to be like, amen, finally, he is spiritual. This is the King James Version. That's what I started reading. And I got off it. I don't know about you guys. I mean, it's like, who, what the heck? I don't talk like this. Like, what's going on here? You don't, and, and so, you know, some people say, well, that's the only real version. And come on, man, stop that nonsense. But, but I, I remember reading this book and not even understanding it. And as a new Christian, I, I, like, you know, Jody and I would look at each other. What the heck's that mean? I don't know. I mean, but God, through his infinite wisdom, he will open your eyes and he will transform your heart. And so keep plugging along, man. Keep reading, keep going, keep learning, keep studying. I love what Ronald Reagan says about this book. He says it like this. He says, within the covers of the Bible are the answers for all the problems that men face. I love what Abe Lincoln says about this book. He says this, take all that you can of this book upon reason and the balance on faith and you will live and die a happier man. I love what this, I love what Theodore Roosevelt says about this book. He says, a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. Hey, I love what this guy says about the book. Charles Spurgeon, got to get an, an older preacher in that smokes a lot of cigars. A Bible that's fallen apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Think about that one for a moment. Hey, your Bible's a bit ragged. I'm telling you, you are more secure than you believe. How about Kierkegaard? What does he say? This is a little jab. The Bible is very easy to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. That's you. That's this guy saying it. I don't know, not me. But look what he says. He says, we pretend to be unable to understand it because we know very well that the minute we understand, we are obliged to act accordingly. The scripture is God's word that enlightens our eyes. And meditating on God's word, it feeds my spirit. That's our fifth reason, if you're taking notes. It, it feeds our spirit. And, and so let me tell you how right now. I'm going to slow down because I want you to take this Bible challenge. I want you to read more than you're doing now. So, so whatever you're doing, just do a little more because I know it will produce fruit. And so how do you start a habit? Well, I'm going to give you three D words. This is how you do it. And this is like cross-training. This is for any habit. This is how you do it. 
that the first D word is this, that developing a habit, you've got to discipline yourself. So you got to get out of bed. you got to get to the club to, to work out. you got to say, I will do this. I, you have to make the choice. Nobody can do it for you. I will do this. Second D word. Then you begin to desire. They tell you, statistics say this, studies say it takes 30 days to get a habit going. So whether that's eating oatmeal in the morning because what, it's better for me, or whatever it is, at 30 days I gotta do this or it isn't gonna help me. And so I, discipline is I'm choosing to do it. Desire is I want to do it. You'll begin to see, you know, I actually wanna do this. And then the third one, this is what we think is the first one. It's not the first one, it's the third one. It comes as a result of hard work. Discipline, desire, delight. I actually enjoy doing this. And for those of you who've been reading God's word and you discipline yourself, it develops a desire or an appetite and then there's, there's great joy in it. Lastly, meditating on God's word, meditating. It blesses my life. That's the end of the verse. There's a warning and a blessing. Look at verse 11. There's a warning for thy servant. And then he says this, there's great reward if you do this. If you take this seriously and you do what we're saying, there is great reward. How many people did this? They grew up in a, in a home where you saw your mom or your dad um, reading the scriptures in the morning. Just raise your hand. I, I never saw that, but if you, you saw that and they're just like, you know, you're just like, like, like what, a, what an awesome picture. My question for you, who will you be like? Will you be like that person to influence the next generation, whether it's your kids or your spouse or your friends or your roommates or the people around you? Or, or will you do something else? Like, let's take God's word. Let's allow it to bless our life. Let's meditate on it. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. May it be a light to our path. May we find complete understanding as we have more of a desire for your truth, for your word. I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Encouraging us to pick up the discipline of thinking and meditating on God's Word. You're listening to High Point with Pastor Ron Zappia, and today's message is called The Spiritual Discipline of Meditation. It's part of our series called Ancient Paths, and you can find the whole series on our website when you head to highpointministries.com. So around spiritual disciplines like meditation, they take time, they take practice, and man, it can be hard to get it started. So what encouragement do you have for our listeners today who maybe aren't sure where to start with this practice? Yeah, you know, it's really important to do this. You know, you really need to set a time, you need to set a place, and you need to set a plan. And so that's really important with what I'm talking about. So setting a time, hey, I'm going to read God's word. I want to try to get into God's word. And when is that going to happen? You know, maybe you're a morning person like me and, and it's best to do it in the morning. Um, maybe you want to, you know, you stay up a little later and doing it at night. Set the time. Set the place. Hey, I'm going to do this. You know, I, I mean, I've been uh, helpful for me is that I will set the place that I do it in, you know, so at the kitchen table or down uh, in your office or wherever you're going to spend time with God. It's really important to have that place set aside that this is the place that I go to spend time with him and then set the plan. What are you going to do? Don't just do the, you know, flip through the Bible and kind of, you know, Bible roulette. Hey, wherever it lands, I'm going to read that verse for the day. You know what? What is it that you're going to do? Maybe you'll 
have a plan to read a specific letter. Maybe it's the New Testament and that you're going to do that. Hey, I'm going to set aside and I'm going to start here. Or, you know, if you don't know where to turn, turn to one of the gospels and be like, hey, I'm going to read a paragraph or two a day. So in order to have success in meditating on God's word, you need to set a time, you need to set a place, and you need to set a plan. And then lastly, it's always helpful to share what you're learning with someone else. So that would be the final step is to make sure you have somebody in your life, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, or even your spouse, that you would do this, that you would share the things that you're learning from God's word regularly. That'll help you to continue to do this, continue to stay in God's word, learning and growing and moving forward. Well, thanks so much for those helpful tips, Ron. And if you want to take your walk a step further and learn to let God use you right where you're at, we want you to have a copy of John Piper's book called Don't Waste Your Life. Each chapter helps you discover how you can live a life of significance, learning to display and enjoy the glory of God. Request your copy of Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper when you call with your gift of support. Call 844 844- HP Radio or online, go to highpointministries.com. And if you prefer to write, address your check to High Point Ministries, P.O. Box 281, Naperville, Illinois 60566. That's P.O. Box 281, Naperville, Illinois 60566. High Point exists to help you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus every day. And when you give your financial support, you're joining in the mission to provide these encouraging messages for people all across the nation. So invest in your spiritual growth and pay it forward so that others can do the same. Give your financial gift and be sure to request Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper when you do. Call 844 477 2346 or online go to highpointministries.com I'm Steve Smith hoping you'll join us again tomorrow as we walk down the ancient path of prayer join us for High Point with Ron Zappia Zappia